Welcome back, friends. Today, I have a really great episode to share with you. It's been a few weeks since I've had our minister, Reverend Robin King, on the show, but a couple days ago, we had a chance to sit down on the couch at my place one evening and record a very interesting conversation where we talked about what cripples us and what makes us whole again. One of the ongoing themes of the Six Ways from Sunday podcast is definitely around this idea of journeying toward wellness and wholeness and the role that our own personal beliefs, faith traditions or rituals have in supporting us to be whole, to be loving, uh, fully self-expressed and at peace in our day-to-day lives. So we decided to take a look at a pretty well-known biblical story, the story of a crippled woman who is healed by Jesus on the Sabbath, which of course was against the law. So there's a lot going on in this story, and a lot of it was stuff that I'd never thought about before discussing it with Robin. And as usual, he has a perspective and a way of unpacking these stories that left me feeling quite inspired. And I hope that you enjoy it and get as much from it as I did. So thanks again for joining us on the show today. And here is Robin King. Welcome back on the show, Robin. It's been a little while since you've been on. And uh, this time we're, well, you're having a coffee. I'm having tea because it's evening. I don't want to be up all night. Apparently it doesn't affect you. No, it doesn't do anything. I think that's just a reflection of how much coffee you actually drink in a day. It could be. Your caffeinate, your your baseline caffeine level is so high that having yeah. a cup at eight thirty or nine o'clock at night it just doesn't even phase you. Could be, yeah. Anyway, this week we're going to talk a little bit about about uh, suffering, about the things that cripple us, about how we how we cope with that, and how we get kind of restored or or whole again. Uh, there's there's a lot to unpack there, but what were your kind of thoughts on this theme for this week? Well, I'm glad you added the second part there, because as you started off saying we were going to talk about suffering, I wanted to butt in and say, no, no, we're not. I don't well, want to talk about suffering. I think that's part of it. I, I, think I don't it's want to talk about suffering at all. The, well, we um, all want to avoid it, but it, it's, well, it's an important it's thing not even, to... Yeah, yeah, it's not even that I want to avoid it. Um, it's that I I think the uh, the... Yeah, I think that uh, the part that I want to talk about is, uh, I mean, we recognize that people people suffer with lots of different things. Um, and there's there's certainly lots of, we say things like, there's a lot of suffering in the world. And, and usually when somebody says something like that, they mean everywhere but me, right? They mean, or they mean somewhere else in the world, people are suffering, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's important to draw attention to that. Uh, uh, absolutely. It's just that um, we all we all suffer a little bit in our own way, um, and with different things, and and different things have meaning to us. And uh, um, the story the story that um, uh, the story that kind of takes us there is uh, that's the story from Luke um, when Jesus uh, heals a crippled woman on the the Sabbath. I just did that thing there, which I said I wasn't going to do, didn't I? What's that? Yeah. See, uh, here's here's the thing. You know, it, it it's you know we we in fact this story is often referred to as uh, Jesus heals the bent over woman. Um, we we talk about how the woman is crippled. We talk about we we use this language, and this is I think part of what the story is about. We use language that defines the person. Hmm. The woman is crippled. 
That's who it's, she is. It, it, yeah. That's her identity, right? Yeah. And in fact, in the story, that is her identity in the story. Um, and, and, and I think part of the story is right off the bat, Jesus recognizes the person. Right, and we use language like we refer to, like like I just did, the crippled woman. We refer to people as being handicapped. That's a handicapped person, right? Yeah. Um, and in fact, what we ought to say is that it is a person who is dealing with a handicap. Yeah. Right, because we want to acknowledge that the person is a person. They're not defined by that. Yeah, it's not who and, they are. And it 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 seems like a really subtle thing, I know, but but I think it's critical to, um, it's critical to our relationship with. Uh, with with people generally is to acknowledge and affirm the person yeah first they are not defined by and and i mean that extends to just about anything doesn't it they're they're not defined by the descriptor right they're defined as the person that they are well i guess that's why we're in the middle of a pretty big movement uh around the labels that we use for people in terms of people's sexuality or, or even mm-hmm. gender um, because, Absolutely. because a lot of people yeah. do feel, um, and that's why we use that word, right? We affirm them. Well, actually, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, is it specific to the United church or churches that we say affirm? Um, we affirm somebody. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, but, uh, the point of that is, um, that we affirm the person as a person before or Beside all of the labels that they yeah, might have, not just right? Tolerating people so, for being yeah, different. Yeah. So here's a story affirming. where where there's a, there's a whole bunch of levels like that, right? So here's a story where Jesus, it's the Sabbath. Uh, Jesus meets this woman who uh, is uh, defined by the story as being crippled, but Jesus affirms her as a person and says to her, "Your uh, you are free of your ailment." Mm. Or, or something to that effect, right? And she immediately, of course, is upright and goes away, right? Yeah. The Pharisees that are standing by and see this happen are, of course, righteously ticked off um, because it's the Sabbath. You can't go around healing people on the Sabbath. She should have come back tomorrow. Yeah. Kind of thing, right? Um, and it's it's not like it's not like Jesus. In fact, this is kind of a theme in Luke, right? It's happened a couple of times before this one, where Jesus does something on the Sabbath and it annoys the Pharisees. Yeah. Um, so so here's a bunch of different levels to this story. One is um, is the person defined as a person or by the label that they have? Jesus goes past that. Jesus frees her from the whatever that ailment. It never actually says what it is that why she is why she is bent over like that. Um, but but it, here's here's another thing about that is is uh, for that person who's spent a significant part of their their life sort of bent over, their field of vision is the ground in front of them, literally. Yeah. Or a sideways glance at something, right? Um. So, so their, their life has been defined by that piece of ground in front of them, right? Yeah. Or sideways glance. That's their life. Um, They're literally her worldview. Right. That's her worldview. <laughs> is. And uh, so as a, as a metaphor, how many people in the world are, are like that, right? They're, they're, um, they are they are weighed down by many things yeah. which cause them to have a particularly narrow worldview. Yeah. Um, and, and Jesus frees them of that, this person of that. Yeah. 
Um, that annoys the Pharisees, the um, Pharisees, because it's the Sabbath. And essentially, Jesus' response is, um, "But like you'd 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 take your your animal to water, you wouldn't the deny Sabbath. them water on the Sabbath. Yeah, that, that's not work; it's life, right? Right? And and healing somebody is not work; it's life." And and still, of course, the Pharisees are ticked off. But the, the point, see, because it's such a recurring theme, especially in Luke, I don't think the point is simply um, to say, um, uh, you know, it's another one of those things where we bash the Pharisees. The, the Pharisees aren't wrong. They're not in the wrong is the thing here. They too, though, are weighed down by all of that stuff all the rules and the laws and everything that cause them to have that very narrow worldview yeah. or that very narrow view, which says the law is this, you can't do anything. Yeah. And that's not the point of the law. It may be the letter, but it's not the point. The point of the law of having a Sabbath in the first place is that that's the time that you set aside to renew your relationship with God. However, you know, God, yeah. And if you're somebody, for instance, who understands God as being present in the world, um, that's a time that you spend uh, on doing that. Um, it, it's also it's also kind of one of those things that's really tricky. It's a tricky conversation to have with people about what's Sabbath, because, of course, what you really want to talk about is what it means. And what they really want to talk about probably is which day is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is it Saturday, is it Saturday, or, Saturday Sunday? or Sunday? So let's be clear about the letter. The letter of that. It's Saturday. I think we've actually even talked about this before. It's Saturday. The reason that Christians have started to think of the Sunday as being Sabbath, quote unquote, um, is because the first followers of Jesus were Jews. So they went to synagogue on Saturday and observed the, they observed the Sabbath. Yeah. But then they had their celebration on the appropriate day, which is the first day, the day of resurrection, right? The next day, in fact, when there was a break with the Jewish tradition, um, they kept the Sunday. So for early Christians, the, the, the Sunday, the, the day of resurrection, was the day set aside for connecting with God. You know, the day that you didn't do anything. Oh, right, that's a Sabbath. Yeah. Right? You can see how that kind of comes around, right? And so it's perfectly understandable. But the fact is, not even just in the first century, but according to Hebrew law, the Sabbath is what it is. It's the that it's the day we know as Saturday, right? Right. So, so you can understand the confusion. So, so the the Pharisees not wrong. In in that they're following, but but the Pharisees are just like the woman. They they their view of that is so narrow that it focuses solely on the letter of the law, and that's not the point of having a Sabbath. The point of the point of Sabbath, and, and see, this is where I go. It's not about the letter of the law and what day. It's about what moment, hmm. right? It doesn't have to be Saturday. It doesn't have to be Sunday. It doesn't have to be Tuesday at seven in the morning. It doesn't have to be that specific. What it has to be is the time that you, uh, you find time to uh, engage God in a meaningful way that is uh, renewing and refreshing you, right? So no one can tell you how to do that either then when it's such a personal it's thing. It's a personal thing, which... which by the way, I think is also what happens in this story. Uh, the woman meets God. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. 
Uh, it's well, not not literally. It's Jesus. Um, we don't want to get into the "is Jesus God" argument. Um, <laughs> Save that for another cause, episode because he's not. But um, but uh, that that's that's kind of the the part of the point of the story too, is. Um, the Pharisees could have, she could have come back the next day and the Pharisees could have, you know, done that thing that televangelists do and smack her on the forehead and say, you are healed. And it would have meant nothing. But in, th- in theory, right, to be relieved of your burden, that is the thing that uh, opens you up, right? Um, that, that, uh, that takes that sort of narrow focus or that, that sense of being bent over, um, broken down, right? There's a really cool, uh, there's a really cool moment in, I, I have to say I'm not 100% certain that this is in the book because uh, it's been a very long time since I've read the book. It, it, sidebar, sidebar. Um, one of the great things about film or theater is it gives you a visual representation of something. And here's a moment where I think that's really relatively important. Okay. With all due respect to literature. Okay. Um, in, in the story, Shoeless Joe, which became the movie Field of Dreams. Shoeless Joe? Is Shoeless the Joe was the book. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, it, there's a really cool story behind We don't need to talk about that. It's cool. Look at it. There's a cool story about why okay. it's called that huh. and why it isn't called Field of Dreams in the book, but why the movie's called Field of Dreams and not Shoeless Joe. Um, but there's a, there's a bit in it towards the end where, and, and okay, so basically the story is he builds a baseball diamond in a corn maze, cornfield, and um, uh, the ghosts of past baseball players appear. Okay. One of them's his dad. Right. And in fact, his dad is a catcher. And uh, right near the end of the, the movie... Uh, there's a bit where um, he finally recognizes that when the catcher takes off his mask, he recognizes it's his father. Hmm. But what he says to his wife is um, he'd only, uh, he didn't recognize him because he'd only ever seen him when he was um, bent over, and, uh, broken down, I think is what he says, um, um, with the weight of years, huh. right? Uh, the weight of his life. And here, in this moment, he's got his whole life a- ahead of him. Because he's he's the younger he's like, the younger one version of right. him has come. right yeah. and and I think I think that's kind of what's happening in this story too is that that um, that that the the woman isn't just broken down with um, the weight of years so they're they're broken down with the weight of of all of the um, the, the the problems and difficulties and all of the things that have happened. Um, in her life, the suffering and, and the suffering, sure, and and like that that happens with uh, that happens with lots of people, right? And you can actually physically see it in some people. Yeah, that their life has been so difficult, you can see it in their physical condition, right? Um, but but for lots of people, you can't see it physically, but you can sure see it emotionally, uh, mentally, um, spiritually, and tiredness of spirit. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's, that's, that's the thing about this story is that Jesus, uh, relieves that burden. Jesus brings freedom from the, the, that weight, that burden. The question is how? Yeah. So and the, it'd be really, really easy to go, uh, to, it'd be really easy. This is one of those moments where you can go and legit, quite legitimately, well, it's a miracle healing story, Ben. 
it's a miracle. Yeah, that's, that's what why I was going to say the bi- the biblical accounting of it is is essentially right. she is this a story where she touched his robe or she he just addressed nope, her? No, that's just a different story. That's another one. That's another story. So this woman is bent over and he just basically he just says, says to her, to her yeah, "You're yeah. healed now," and and you're good. Um, and uh, but but the thing is, uh, uh, like like most miracle stories, there's two ways that the miracle stories could be relevant to us. One is. It's a miracle. Jesus did it. Power of Jesus. Believe in Jesus. The end. Now, if that doesn't work for you, here's another way to look at this. All that the person writing this story reported was that Jesus said this to her. What, what if Jesus saw her, sat down, had a conversation with her, heard her stories, let her share her stories, Jesus found the time to hear her out, to to let her literally unburden herself. Right. Right. It, it, would would that carry some more meaning for you? Likely, it's something that it's, it's not never, a, it's not a miracle. She probably never had anybody though? do that. And see that to before. me, to me, that too is a miracle. That's a miracle right there. I, I've said this about lots of the other miracle stories too. Is that like the the feeding of the five thousand? Right. That's a classic one. Does Jesus go Shazam, here's food for everyone? Or does the act of generosity and sharing inspire people to find that they have things? Lots of people will tell you that I just explained away the miracle and why would I do that? It it reduces the power of Jesus. How? Jesus in that moment had such a power to inspire people. How would we not see that, first of all, as a miracle? And secondly... You get 5,000 people to share what they've got in their bag for lunch. Yeah, good luck. That's a miracle. <laughs> yeah. Right? So yeah. It's, not, it's not like Just it isn't a miracle. It, yeah. It, does it, so the question then is also, does it have to defy physics and defy science yeah. to, in for, order well, to be all, labeled a miracle? And on top of that, on top of that, um, you know what? Being able to say this is a miracle story, Jesus does a miracle and heals a woman. That totally gets me out of having to sit down and listen to someone unburden themselves and tell me their stories. <laughs> right, that's true. Right, it gives me an out. It yeah. gets me. It gives me the opportunity to keep it at arm's length. Well, after all, Robin, you're not Jesus. You can't but, perform but miracles. But okay, can I just say that you are not the first person this week that has said that to me? And my response to them was, "Yes, you are. Do not listen to me." Like, like I, I don't know how many times, I, probably at least once, once a Sunday, um, if not more times during the week, I am constantly trying to remind people that, yes, you are Jesus. You absolutely are Jesus. And, uh, and, and the, the, the people, just, I, it's really easy to say, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. And so I can't do it. But, but yes, you are, and yes, you can. And the thing is, uh, we, we have all these wonderful stories of all these amazing things Jesus does, and he never fails. And he never fails to get everyone on his side, um, and everyone agreed with him, and everyone was really sad when he was crucified. Right. Except they weren't. <laughs> Not even close. Except they weren't, right? Um, and, and, and there are occasional stories of Jesus. In fact, there are several stories of Jesus learning because Jesus is human, right? That's yeah. part of the point of Jesus is his humanity. Um, he faced temptation. I'm sure he there's, there's, made he, mistakes he, and failed so, and sinned. And I, I think, I think, and it's it's like it's like um, uh, I think I just I, I I know I in fact I've said it a couple of times in the last little while. This is terrible, 
because I believe I, I prefaced it by saying, nobody stoned me for saying this, but <laughs> Jesus wasn't perfect. Um, if he were, that would negate his whole human side, right? Because human yeah. beings aren't perfect. Um, and, and it's about time we started to realize that saying, yes, you are Jesus, doesn't mean you have to be perfect. Uh-huh. It doesn't mean you have to be God. It doesn't mean that you have to be um, so so um, uh, with righteous and without Faultless, blame, right? Yeah. Faultless. It doesn't mean you have to be. It doesn't mean you have to be successful all the time. It. it but we we kind of take it that it does we mean do. that. When we do. even even when we hear someone so like you as a minister saying, you know, go out into the world and look for the face of Jesus and others. Yeah. I I don't know. I shouldn't speak for others, but I kind of I think that a lot of us would interpret that as. When you say look for the face of Jesus and others, look for the perfection in others, look for the the no. godliness in others. And, no. and so then you go out there looking for looking for that. No. Looking for trying to no. see the see no. the positive side and see the when when, when I say things it, like the face yeah. of Jesus or or there is Jesus in or you are we go Jesusing. Let's do some good Jesusing this week. Um it's it's about love and again, it's not perfect. But it's about it's about love, and it's about uh, sharing love and grace. Um, it's about um, it's about taking the taking the you know anywhere from twenty minutes to a few hours. Who knows? Jesus took to sit down and listen to this woman, and I'm going to say it this way again: unburden herself, because yeah, when, you do, when you do, when uh, you do, you can stand up. Right? Yeah. You are not weighed down, and and I'm not suggesting that that. Well, obviously, the solution to everyone's uh, sort of world weariness is to just unburden themselves to their next door neighbor. I'm not suggesting that <laughs> makes it perfect and 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 makes every. It's it's just a start. Yeah, it's just a start. Um, and that's that's again, this is where I think it connects. But this is where I think it connects to Sabbath. Is there's a lot of crappy stuff happening in the world. Um, we are more and more weighed down. Uh, recently well in recent years with the idea that we we thought we were making process progress with things like racism um and and progress against things hate groups and things like that and turns out they're back right or they never went away yeah we just didn't see them yeah but but in recent years it seems to be that it's almost okay um to to express uh well for like i can't think of any other way of saying this to express hate um uh, and and the thing is um hate you're entitled to your opinion but hate is not an opinion hate is hate yeah. it's not an opinion and and i think that's two i think they're two completely different things that's why i think you're entitled if i'm not mistaken um you're entitled by law to your opinion I can't stop you from expressing your opinion. You have a right to express what you freedom of feel. Expression. Yeah. You have freedom of expression. Um, I don't think that should extend to freedom of expression of hate. Yeah. That's a different thing entirely. That's just why we have yeah. uh, hate laws, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's, yeah. And so, uh, so I'm, I'm sort of appear to be gliding off the topic here, but in fact, I don't think so because I think one of the reasons why, um, we see so much of that and we start to be weighed down more and more with it is that we don't find Sabbath time. 
we don't find time to, and I, I, however you know God, right? So if you know God as being alive in the world and in the universe, um, as being a, a life force, if you want to call it that, however you know God, you need to set aside some time to engage that. To connect with it, yeah. And, and not, not just to unburden, but to be refreshed, to be inspired, yeah. See, right? W- and that's, to me, that is the meaning the, the essential meaning of Sabbath. The reason it was a law in the first place is because people didn't know to do it. Huh. So back in the day, and by back in the day, I mean thousands of years ago, um, people needed to be told. That's why, again, we're back at the Ten Commandments, right? The point of the Ten Commandments isn't that, um, isn't that these are inviolate laws that you will follow to the letter. The point of the Ten Commandments was to inspire and create community. To, to encourage people to live together by following these, um, not even rules so much as, um, this is ways that you can, to help you live together. Yeah. Right? It created um, a structure. You need, you, you, and, and so, so you need to build some Sabbath into your structure. Yeah. Right? And, and in doing that, um, uh, see, I think, I think this is also related to the concept of your happy place. Okay. I know that sounds that sounds a little ridiculous <laughs> right off the bat, right? Sounds a little floofy. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> because you hear people say stuff like go to your happy place. Close you your know? eyes and Yeah, close your eyes and go to your happy place. <laughs> and if it's not being said sarcastically and it's actually being said with some meaning, the idea is for you to um, close your eyes, center yourself and focus on something that draws you away from what you're currently experiencing mm-hmm. and refocuses you so you can deal with it and get on with your, your life. Right. Isn't that Sabbath? I, I mean, I, I think it actually is. The, the thing about that is that I don't think it's just a mental exercise. I don't think it's just a, uh, to go to your happy place. Isn't just a mental exercise. There are other ways you can do that. Um, I personally find even mowing the lawn work. I don't garden. I'm not good in the garden. I don't like gardening. I love flowers. I I think you nature is the... beautiful. I love I love a really nice yeah. garden. Uh, I just don't. I find it work. But there are lots of people for whom it's their happy place. It's not only not work. It's after the after having a heavy day of doing a lot of stuff, they go home. They just want to work in the garden. Yeah. Right. It it takes them away from their day. It refreshes them. It inspires them. Um, people feel that way about music sometimes. Um, people used to feel, I, I, having been a musician in the past and directed choirs, and not just church choirs, but community choirs, um, that's, that's kind of the point of a choir, of an amateur choir, is if you, if you join a choir in your community, you should be going there at the end of a tough day because you want it, want to, because you know you're going to be refreshed by it. You're going to be inspired by it. You're going to not just enjoy it, but it's going to it's going to change your mood. It's going to change your day. Yeah. It's going to make your day better. Yeah. You shouldn't be going to it thinking, "Oh crap, I've got one more thing in my day," right? And it's work. Yeah. If it feels like that, then yeah. you're not doing if, the right things. Yeah. It, yeah. If it feels like that, you should either rethink it and try and refocus yourself a bit, or not do it. Find someone yeah. else. And that's, that's the thing about Sabbath that makes it so personal is you need to find that thing that's, that's, or things that help you be your Sabbath. Yeah. You can't just say to somebody, um, you know, go to synagogue or go to church. It's the Sabbath. You should go to ch-. You can't do that. 
because it might not be meaningful to them to do that. Yeah, not for everybody. It's not for everybody. I, I remember when I was a kid, our neighbors... We desperately want it to be, yeah, but, but it's, it's not. It's not. not and the thing is, the thing is that, that uh, I would even say to you, if you don't feel... Um, inspired or refreshed or if you don't if you don't feel like going to church um is something that moves you you shouldn't go just because you always did right and we we've talked about that that uh, idea of tradition versus habit is right like a, a tradition is something that adds meaning and value right whereas if it's something that you just do habitually yeah, that's not a tradition. That's just that's just a habit. That's that's my thinking on that. I have to say, I've I have of late encountered some people who don't think that that's what tradition is. That they actually think that tradition is simply doing it this way because we've done it this way for a thousand years. Isn't that what it is to be a Pharisee? Maybe, uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe that's the definition of Pharisee right there. Yeah. So so um, I've got a story. I was when I was a kid, um, our neighbors were Seventh Day Adventists and. For a few years there, I was going to Seventh-day Adventist school with my neighbor, my, my best friend, during a big, a, most of my childhood. And I would go over to Robbie's house, and he and his brother and sister and parents, uh, if it was the Sabbath, if it was after sundown on the Friday evening, or any time during the Saturday before sundown, Saturday evening, um, they were they were practicing the Sabbath. And the first the first couple of times of being over at their house, I was really confused by this because I grew up in the United Church. I don't know that I even came across the word Sabbath or knew, knew what it meant until going to this uh, Seventh-day Adventist school and, um, and becoming integrated into Robbie's family and some of their practices and experiencing it. And I was this kind of fly-on-the-wall bystander thinking like, this is so strange. They have these limitations. They're not allowed to do video games. They're not allowed to watch movies. They're not allowed to, um, I'm, I might not be remembering all of this clearly from, you know, 25, 30 years ago, but it felt to me like there was just like, you know, you had to kind of just have this quiet time and do a lot of scripture reading and Bible study. And, but I also remember it being filled with a lot of campfires where they would have friends over from the like church friends that would come over and they would have, they would like, they would say, are you, are you coming over for Sabbath? They would have Sabbath together. And it, for them, it was a meaningful uh, practice. It was a meaningful right. tradition. Sure. It, it was a yeah. tradition. And so they, it, for them, what, it was, what's it was the about, most meaningful part of that. Well, and you, and I can't answer that for anybody, yeah. but I could, my observation was that there was a lot of fellowship happening. There was yeah. a lot of connection happening. Yeah. They would talk about, they would talk about their faith. They would explore, um, biblical stories and talk about the meaning that they had for them. And they would, so it was about, um, trying to educate each other and themselves. It was about yeah. fellowship. It was about connection. So for them, they were observing it and they were having, and I think there probably was a lot of, um, fruitful, you know, benefits from some of the things that they would, it's yeah. kind of like Lent where you'd purposefully disclude something that you would normally have in your life as a practice, as a spiritual practice. So yeah. cutting yourself off from, you know, I think, I think our whole world could, could, it would, could do a lot of us good to say, you know what, for 24 hours, once a week, I'm not going to go on my phone. Yeah. Or for 24 hours okay. once a week, you know what? Sure. Right? Okay. But, but see, I think you need to, that needs to be coupled with something else. You can't just say, I'm not going to use my phone for this many hours this week. You have to say what you're going to do with that. 
Absolutely. time, right? I totally you need agree. to do something that's valuable with that time because you created the space. Now, what are you going to do with it? Exactly. Um, I had a, um, I briefly, um, when I was learning, when I was um, a music student, um, I, I, I always hesitate to say that my main instrument was the organ because, you know, jokes. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I had a, a teacher um, I, I coached with for a while um, who said that um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a fine line. I mean, you, to be a great performer, um, people always say to be a great performer, you need to have uh, technique um, as well as musicality. Right, um, you you can't just play the notes on the page; they have to come alive, right? Um, and but what he said was that there's also still though there's a fine line between being a great performer and making music, and it's not always the same thing. Sure. You can be technically accurate, you can do all the right things, and somehow the the music's still soulless. It just sounds but, dead. But when you're making music, the music has a soul. And it comes, that's what comes alive. That's what, and, and that's not just a question of it entertains people. It's a question of it has meaning for people when that happens. Uh, and them. when you think of some of the most, uh, the sort of the most famous of um, um, performers, especially uh, in this case, he was talking about classical performers, but I mean, take, think about the most uh, famous of performers. The ones who make music are the ones that people want to hear. Does that apply to country music singers too, Robin? Uh, of course not. Um, but um, <laughs> no, I, uh, I think it actually, you know what? It could apply to absolutely any, and, and not even just music, any art, right? Yeah. It's one thing to be a, a, flawless, uh, a flawless ballerina, for instance, or a great actor, right? Yeah. Because you have all the right techniques and you do all the right things. And it's another thing entirely to inhabit the, the character. Oh, yeah. Right. To bring totally. the character to life so that people suddenly they don't notice, oh, it's that actor. So and so they think you're actually the character. Right. Yeah. You forget. Yeah. You, you forget that it's an actor. I can relate to that, too, with um, in my profession, like in, in filmmaking. To me, my goal, like Jackie and Kelly are always teasing me that I measure my success by whether my work makes people cry or not, but it's true. Like I, we, I think we've talked about this even on the podcast. I, I have discovered it's taken a long time, but over, over the years, I eventually finally discovered that my sense of purpose or my why is to create something that moves people. Mm -hmm. It might, it's to, mm -hmm. uh, to emotionally impact someone. So when I am editing, I'll watch, you know, a, a sequence of clips and I'll, I'll go over and I'll watch it 10 times in a row. And then I'll show it to someone else who's never seen it. And, and my, my gauge of whether it's right or whether it's finished is, did it make me feel it? Did, I, did, it, did it hit me in the feels? Did it give someone okay. that feeling? Right. And if it doesn't, if it's just flat, it's, it's the same. Just, it's just footage. It's just video footage right. and, and some music. And see. But, but getting it just right, it's like when you talked about the music coming alive versus just like a computer playing it. Right. So... Um, um, because I know you, um, I would say, um, I, I understand what you're saying. If I didn't know you, I might respond to that by saying, so you're trying to manipulate people's emotions, <laughs> right? Um, and just to circle it back to the Sabbath thing, the thing about that is, again, it's a personal thing. Yeah. 
right? Um, and and uh, and and I, I like the way you said about the the feels and and that kind of thing is that um, it's it's not about uh, it's not about manipulating and, and that's the, the thing about church and and all of the rules and the way we do stuff, right? Is that we've traditionally even even in this story of the Pharisees challenging Jesus, you can't do that on the Sabbath. Um, there's a point at which you are, uh, I think, there's a point at which you are manipulating people. You're using the, the rules, you're using the law to simply move people control. around, control, control them. For what purpose? Um, and, and unfortunately, the, the church... I'm not even going to say synagogue. I mean, the church has had something of a history of that, of 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 things have to be a certain way in order that, and you need to believe a certain thing, and you need to behave a certain way, and it's a control mechanism, right? Yeah. It's how we have power over you. Yeah. Um, and uh, instead of empowering. Yeah, it's instead of empowering over. people, we have power over you, which is, uh, I feel pretty safe in saying 100% contrary to Jesus, um, because Jesus was all about em empowering you. Actually, here's a perfect example, right? This story. This story, yeah. yeah unburdening. He, he, she is unburdened, and she is empowered to, to live her life now, right? So I've got a question for you about that, because I love the language you use around unburdening someone, and you mentioned something about, you know is is the answer to everyone's ailments and, and suffering to just go and gripe to your neighbor about the, all the woes of your life and, and all mm -hmm. the troubles of the world? N obviously not. So there's something that Jesus did. There's something in the power of his listening that, right. that em empowered or facilitated her unburdening in a way that her just whining to the next person on the corner like she'd probably done hundreds of times before Jesus came along, didn't do. Right. So um, here's, here's what I think that is, because I think that's actually pretty, uh, it's a pretty relevant thing right now, um, particularly with things like the truth and reconciliation, right? Um, it, it's, um, it, you, it, okay, so you, you said, because I think I said it um, initially, um, but I like the, you use the word gripe. Um, you can't go and gripe to your neighbor. Okay, so first of all, it's a two-way street. When you tell your story, you don't unburden yourself by bitching about what happened. You unburden yourself by sharing the story of what happened. Right. right? Um, some of the most powerful things, uh, moments around the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, for example, is hearing people share their story. Yeah. Not... And they're not saying that you're not listening to them bitch about, you know, how the government this or the government that or that. They're simply telling you a story. Yeah. They're sharing their and the story they're telling you is theirs. Yeah. So it's authentic. It's sincere. It's the sharing of a story. Meaningful. It's meaningful, right? The other side of that is. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> right. How it's, are you listening? How are you listening? And and I mean, there's lots of things you can say about how we listen because, frankly, 99 times out of 100, we listen in order to respond, not yeah. to hear. Right. Yeah. That's a. I forget yeah. who actually said that initially. I was just but, thinking the same line. But, but we we listen to respond, not to actually hear. 
And we need to turn that around. If yeah. you want to help someone unburden themselves, they need to know that they are authentically being heard. Yeah. They need to feel gotten. They, they need to, yeah, they need so to. The, that's a term. Yeah. I'm, I'm borrowing that from, uh, so the being a leader course that Lori and Jackie and I took, and we've talked yeah. about this on the show a couple of times. Yeah. One of the most powerful things that I experienced during that uh, three-month course was uh, and this exercise in authentic listening, it's called. And it's exactly what you and I are talking about right now. There's this massive distinction between listening as in I'm letting you talk, it's your turn to talk now, and I'm not going to talk over top of you. That's, that's not listening. That's just, right. that's just I'm not talking. Right. Versus... I am so present in my listening with you that I'm going to make sure that you understand how deeply I get what you're saying. Yeah. And that's not, not easy. And not, not by easy. parroting it all back to you. Yeah. So, so Robin, what I'm hearing you say is, and yeah. then just regurgitate it yeah. all. I mean, it, actually, actually, just to be fair, that's a technique. Exactly. And there are many techniques. Sure. But the techniques don't make it authentic. Exactly. Right? You you need you need the authenticity, the sincerity of of people yeah. that's being heard. You need, um, in fact, um, I was just thinking about this 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 thing this bit the other day because I saw something that said apparently, um, oh, what's his name, uh, Cameron, uh, the director, has two more James Cameron. Uh, James Cameron has two more uh, avatars in the in, oh, really? in the can now. Yeah, um, I knew there was going to be one more. Yeah. Um, uh, and and I don't know if that's true. I, it, that would seem to imply that, that at least the sequel's done, and uh, so you know, it's likely to be a trilogy. Um, but 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 what what I thought about is that the, the one thing I remember from that movie, um, it, it, it literally it's the only thing I remember from this movie, um, is that the the people on that planet, um, they have an expression that they use that means something that it doesn't mean when we say it. Yeah. When they say. I see you. Yeah, yeah. And what I they mean is, piece. I see like into the depths of who you are, and I know you. Yeah. Right. Um, it's uh, it, it's it's just a beautiful. I think it's a understanding, a beautiful understanding of that. We need a I hear you version of that. Yeah. We we need to find a way to be able to say I hear you, yeah. the people, and have them understand that they've sincerely been heard. And by the way. It's not just about being heard in the moment. It's about everything that comes after that as well, right? And this is another thing about Sabbath is for all that we talk about it, well, for all that we've talked about, the law says it's a day or it's sundown to uh, sundown, to sundown, right? Yeah. Um, uh, the, 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 the law says it's this specific time. It's this specific day. The, the, the thing is, the point of it isn't for it to be that. The point of it is for it to be a moment that affects the rest of your moments. Yeah. Right? The point of Sabbath isn't just for it to be 24 hours. It's for it to be the 24 hours that supports the the other, how many ever hours there were in a week, the other six days, right? Yeah. Um, and, and not even just the other six days, but your life. Yeah. It's, it's meant to be, Sabbath is meant to be so deeply connected to your life that it impacts things that way, right? Um, and which is why I, I, again, would always say when we talk about Sabbath, to engage God however you know God. Because we know God in different, I'm sorry, but we do know God in different ways. Um, whether it's uh, cultural, uh, religious traditions, whatever, have you, 
have experience, we know God in different ways. So however you know God, it's the time that you engage God in a way that affects the rest of your time. Yeah. Right? That's, I think that's why there's so many people uh, right now who re- relate more to a, well, I'm, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Yeah. Because it offers that that sense of freedom to find your own path in a way that a structured religion is perceived as as not allowing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the um, it's, or they maybe they just haven't come to our church. Yeah, that could be <laughs> it. Yeah, uh, we often use the expression "it's a pendulum," right? The pendulum yeah. swings. Yeah, and I think for lots of people. Um, I think there's lots of people who say they're spiritual but not religious because they are frankly spiritual. They're not religious. They're just spiritual. But there are also, I think, a lot of people who say they're spiritual and not religious because their experience of religion has driven them away. Um, and uh, that, that whole structured organizational thing has driven them away. And now they're kind of lost in seeking, which is the sp- spirituality, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, as, uh, again, as organized religion... Um, churches need to do a better job, I think, of trying to, well, religious institutions of any kind need to find a better way of re-engaging people um, who have been driven away by that structure, that organizational thing, because the point of religion is to be the structure that brings us understanding and yeah. brings us a, a better um, a better way of understanding our faith, um, helps us seek answers when we're seeking. Um, that's what it's supposed to be for. It's not supposed to box you in and blind you from things, yeah. right? It's it's meant to help you. Uh, it help. It's meant to help you bring you closer to God. Yeah. Well, really, that's the purpose of this podcast, and so this is probably a really good spot to wrap it up for tonight, Robin and. Let you get back home with, on, on with your, the rest of your evening. But really, truly, that, that is why we created a podcast, was to, yeah. to offer something that we hope provides some spiritual nourishment throughout. Yeah. And who knows? You know, for mean, the week. For, some, for somebody, their, their Sabbath moment this week might be listening to the podcast. <laughs> their Sabbath moment might be listening to somebody else's podcast. Their Sabbath moment might be... Uh, and that's the thing, is that... Uh, Again, it, while we are constantly seeking that time, that space to have a Sabbath, it may not be the same thing every week, and yeah. it may not be the same time every week. Uh, it 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 may be something different. It may be uh, it, it only you know what it is. Yeah, we, our personalities are so different. Some people yeah. like to have ritual and and that, and that the doesn't consistency. Mean, yes, other people need need to have that variety. Yeah. And I'm glad the, you said. You know I'm glad I mean? you said people that way because uh, I think that's also a reminder though that one of the great benefits of gathering as a community uh, a community we say community of faith right Uh, in the church one of the ways of one of the benefits of gathering as a community is sharing those Sabbath moments right and and supporting each other um, hearing what each other has to say learning how to listen um, learning also how to share our story uh, learning how uh or, or having an experience of God, right? Yeah. Um, there are real benefits to doing that as a community. Yeah, I, I think it's almost almost impossible to do without um, an experience of connection. Mm-hmm. And connecting with other human beings yeah. is, is how we do that. 
Yeah. Cool. Thank you, Robin. Thanks, Ben. Thanks again for listening today and for being part of this community of seekers and curious hearts by tuning into the podcast. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and please, if you could just take a minute to subscribe to the show on iTunes or on your podcast app on your phone, leave us a rating or a review and share your favorite episodes with your friends, family and neighbors, anyone who might benefit from a weekly shot of spiritual nourishment and inspiration. We truly would appreciate that so much. Uh, So until next week, stay curious, enjoy the rest of your day today and be well.